Acts chapter 2, verses 42. Oh, they are on the screen. Very good. Well done. Thank you. Acts chapter 2, 42 till the end. This is God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We give thanks to God for his word to us and how it speaks to us today. A while ago, I was reading a book by Francis Chan. And in that book, he offered this scenario to help us think about church. He said, suppose I was concerned about people's health. So I opened Chan's healthy juice shop. I rented a building. I painted a cool sign with a bunch of happy vegetables on it. I began making drinks by blending kale, carrots, beets, and spinach. My customers loved my drinks and came daily. There was just one problem. There aren't enough health fanatics to keep my business afloat. My solution? Whipped cream. Once I topped my drinks with it, more people started coming around. Soon after, I added chocolate syrup and seals grew even more. Once gummy bears and M&Ms were introduced, I started making a fortune. I would still boast that my drinks contained some healthy ingredients, even though I knew my clients were getting fatter and more lethargic. My desire to run a lucrative business at some point overpowered my original goal of health. At some point in the process, I should have taken down the sign. What our concern is, as we think about the strategy, John was reminding us a few weeks ago of why we need a strategy. There is a world to save. There is an enemy to defeat. He, he was telling us that there is a prize to be won, a relationship with Jesus that is set before us. And Rick was telling us about the, the what of the strategy. What are the nuts and bolts? What are the uh, mechanics of that strategy? The danger for us is that we have this uh, great strategy on paper that does not accurately describe who we are as the people of God, that our, uh, how we function as a family, how we function as the people of God, actually is not relevant to what it means to be the local church. There, there's a danger that we go off course, that we get so distracted in the world that we live in, that the sign outside that says church does not actually, ac accurately describe who we are as the people of God. And today, as I attempt to answer the how question, how do we engage with the strategy? How do we get everyone all in? What does it mean to play our part in the purposes of God? I recognize that it's so easy to be thrown off course by competing demands upon our time and for our attention. We live in an age of attention deficit, an age of distraction. Before the digital revolution, we're told that the average attention span was 12 seconds. Apparently, now it's dropped to eight seconds. And just to put that in perspective, apparently, um, a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. We are literally losing to goldfish. 
when it comes to attention. In our frantic attempt not to miss out on anything, we try to be present everywhere and at everything, and it means that we are totally distracted. You could be watching the television, on your phone, liking Instagram posts, replying to WhatsApp messages, and having an interrupted conversation with the people present in the room, and nobody is getting all of your attention. How can we ever possibly hope to be fully present to others, fully present even to ourselves, or fully present before Almighty God in that kind of world? Speaking of the behavior and actions of the early church in Acts chapter 2, we're told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Eight seconds of attention is not going to fill you with awe about anything or anyone. And so the high of this strategy is our attempt as the leadership of this church to help you narrow your vision and focus so that you can devote yourself to the one who is worthy of your devotion. As the leadership of this church, we are trying to hold up the person of Jesus Christ to, be, to say to you, we want to be Christ-centered because ultimately that's who we should be centering our lives on. That's who we should be devoted to. He is the one who, sh who should have our attention. You will not miss out if you give Jesus your full attention. You will not get to the end of your days and wish that you had caught up on the latest series on Netflix or seeing what was going on in the newsfeed on your phone, you will not regret being Jesus-centered at the end of days. And so as the leadership of this church, we're committed to helping you go deeper. We don't want to create spiritual elitism. We're not here to say this morning that we're, we as a church are gonna offer PhDs in theology for the intellectual. It's all in no matter what your starting point is, no matter where you are this morning, we want everyone to have the opportunity to go deeper in the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our ambition. That's our hope that no, no matter where you are this morning on the journey, we will help you to go deep in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that your roots will go deep in him. The words all in are important. This is not just for the super keen. This is not discipleship for those who are enthusiastic. This is all in. I noticed during the week that uh, even Stephen Gerrard had committed to being all in. And we want the church to go all in. We want everyone here to be discipled. Not just the enthusiastic or the emotional. We want everyone to know what it means to be Christ-centered or Bible-based and, and spirit-dependent. We want you to be able to understand the Bible for yourself. We want you to center your life on Jesus Christ. And we want you to be, become aware of how the Holy Spirit works in your life. How does he lead you? How does he guide you? We're told that the pattern of discipleship in the early church was one where they devoted themselves. And we want to help you to devote yourself. As an elder and, and a staff member here, um, I'm glad about this. I'm glad that we will be hopefully setting an example before you to say there are some things you need to say no to. You have a limited amount of time. You have a, a limited amount of energy. 
you have a limited capacity as a human being and so we want you to devote yourself to the person of Jesus Christ in this place. And, and as a leadership, we're going to be holding up priorities to you and saying, this is important in your life. This is important. Give your time to this. Naming depth as a main objective for us as a church is exciting. Gives you permission to say no to distractions and yes to Jesus. And I'm eager to see what that will look like. Not just in discipleship groups, but in, in youth ministry, in pastoral care, in, in mission. Not just corporately in our time together, but also individually as you go from this place in your workplace, in your home, that you will be able to pray, that you will be able to open your Bible, read and understand it. Christian maturity is revealed and discipleship is revealed when you can nurture your own faith and pass on faith to others, that you will be a disciple who makes disciples. Listen, if you're 35 and you come to me and complain about your mum's cooking, I'm going to say to you, I think this is evidence of the fact that you're not that mature, that you're, you're 35 years old and complaining about how your mum cooks for you. You should be able to do this for yourself by now. Actually, you should be able to feed other people. And so as a church, we want to say to you, our ambition is that you will go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can feed yourself and others. I'm excited that in the future, there is the possibility to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit than I am right now. To be more centered on the person of Jesus Christ than I am right now. To pay more attention to what God's word says than I do right now. And that's what we are hoping for and setting as an ambition in the, in the coming years. We're gonna help you to develop habits and practices in your life that mean that you will go deeper as a disciple. The next area is, as Steph and Rick have been reminding us, growing closer as a family. One of the things that people regularly say about life here in Carmoni is that it's hard to get to know people and there's lots of people that you don't know because we are a large church. We have three services here on this site and then we have our church plant in Belfast and, and sometimes you don't get the opportunity to spend time with everyone and we look around and we think, I don't know anybody in, in this church. And I recognize and we as a leadership recognize that that's a problem and we want, we want to help you to go and grow deeper with it's impossible for you to grow deeper with everyone and grow closer with everyone in this church. It's impossible for you to do that. But we want to help you to grow closer with some people who will know you really well. That you will grow closer in relationship with some people who know your situation. Some people who know your fears and weaknesses. And in Acts chapter 2 it says, The believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We'll not get all the people from this church into your home. But we want you to be in relationship with other people. We want you to grow closer. We want you to be known here. We want this church to be a place where you are known and where you know others. We're going to refuse to settle for a situation where people walk in and out of here and actually don't know one another. A few years ago, I went to speak at another Presbyterian church and there were a couple of hundred people there and after the morning service, as Rachel and I were driving away from the church, we remarked about how friendly a church it was and how welcoming 
uh, an experience we, we had found being there. And as we thought about it, we realized what had happened was that while we said hello to a couple of people, while people generally were friendly, our experience of that place as a friendly church was solely down to the fact that one couple came and spent time with us that whole morning. They welcomed us at the door. They sat with us during the service. They showed us around afterwards. They stayed with us while we had tea and coffee. And we had a conversation for the whole time that we were there. We were with two people for the majority of our time. And our impression of the whole church was that it was friendly because we spent some time, extended time with a few. And so the strategy and the ambition and the vision of the leadership of this church is to help you to find relationship where you can grow closer with the few. We want to clarify the expectations upon you so that you do not feel that you need to be in a thousand different organizations in order to be in relationship in this church. We don't want you to skate across the surface of everything. We, we want you to go deep in your relationship with Jesus and grow close with a few a praying people, functioning as family and raising the next generation. We want you to be deliberate and devoted to the few. The 25 days of prayer initiative means that we can be saying the same words, praying the same words and, and developing unity over the next while. There'll be other resources that will help parents to pass faith on to their kids. However, it's, it's about this devoted concept. It's about being devoted to the few. Let's not overstretch ourselves as a leadership and as elders, as organizational leaders, we are not gonna place a huge burden of expectation on you to be at a thousand different things in the life of this church. We want you to serve in one area. We want you to commit to uh, being in community with a group of people where you will be discipled. We're hoping that you don't have to be out two, three, four, five nights a week in order to be serving in this church and going deep as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is, is a flawed model. It means you cannot grow closer with your own actual family that live in your house. We want you to be able to grow close as a church family, but we also want you to enjoy family life. We don't want you to resent this place. We want you to love the church what if it was possible to be discipled in the area in which you served so that a GB officer could be a GB officer on a Tuesday night and not feel the pressure to be in a discipleship community on a Wednesday night? That there would be an opportunity to be discipled in the environment in which you serve? Is there a way that we can grow alongside the people that we serve with? Otherwise, we just skate across the surface and we don't go deep and we don't go close. And that's our ambition in the coming days and in the coming years. We want you to commit to serving in one area of church life. We want you to use the talents and abilities that God has given you, but we want you to grow close. I've heard that this kind of description before of, of some of our small groups or Bible studies or discipleship groups that they can, they can sometimes become like a gun collecting society where you get out the gun and you look at the features of it and, and you talk about how powerful it is and what it's capable of and you, you polish it and you, you are in awe of it and everyone has all this knowledge and then you put the, the gun back in the cabinet and you close, you close it over and you walk out and you live your life as normal and you never actually demonstrate the power that is available in that weapon. And some of our discipleship communities are, can be like that. Some of our Bible studies can be like that. Some of the discipleship environments that you've been in in the past are like that. We talk about the theology we talk about how powerful God is, how incredible he is. We want to know the detail of, of all that he has 
all that he is and all that he is capable of, and then we just close the cabinet and walk away. We never actually experience the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of God in our lives. And then the other challenge is that people who serve or can be like chefs who prepare food for other people and feed other people and feed other people, but they're malnourished and starving themselves. They're preparing food for other people and are malnourished themselves. We want an experience of discipleship and service that means that those who feed others can also be fed themselves, that those who have the knowledge of the power of the gospel actually get to demonstrate it in their service, that they, they get to see the gospel power at work and transforming lives and seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. You'll, you'll remember Rick said last week, we're not satisfied with being a mile wide and an inch deep. We want you to grow close and family as well. And, and finally then, uh, reaching wider. This is how this, this strategy relates to mission. It says in, in Acts that the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. This is not about us becoming a better church or a slicker church or, or just for ourselves. We, we want church to be the hope of the world in this community where God has placed us also in the city of Belfast where we have a church plant and, and this land and the nations, we want everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we, we wanna have a heart of compassion. Everyone needs compassion regardless of circumstances or situation. Everyone needs to know Jesus. That's our conviction. And so following Jesus will mean living like him in every environment that he places us in. And so as you see people grabbing for themselves literally over the last week and over the coming weeks, we need to remember that if we're following Jesus in these days, he is the one described in Philippians as he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing and took on the nature of a servant being found in human likeness. He humbled himself. This is the person that we're following. This is the God that we are seeking to represent in the world that he has placed us in. We should live differently in the world outside the church. Whatever our circumstances are, yes, we experience pressure. Yes, we face the same illnesses. Yes, we experience the same difficulties that the world around us experiences, but we are not without hope, so it should transform how we see the world around us, locally and globally. Jesus is the king of all days, and our hope should be in him. Our confidence should be in him, no matter what is, is going on. Just as we kind of draw this to a close this morning. We, a few of us were meeting in Ballyduff a couple of weeks ago doing the New Start course, working through the book of Philippians. And the guy, Barry Cooper, who, who teaches on that course, was talking about Paul uh, being in prison. Paul the Apostle was in chains and experiencing real difficulty when he wrote the book of Philippians that speaks about having joy and rejoice at all times. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that as a prisoner and the gospel spreads. Also in Philippians, he says to the church, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, i.e. imprisonment, has really served to advance the gospel. Paul doesn't say, I'm a victim, therefore I can't be a witness. 
This thing has come into my life that I did not anticipate. Therefore, God's purposes for my life are over. God, Paul says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has provided an opportunity for the gospel to go wide in the world. Even though I am in chains, the guards are coming to faith. The people that I'm in contact with are hearing about Jesus because God's put me here. And I found that really encouraging. I'm going to show you a short clip of how the gospel spreads over time as a result of Christian people being scattered from the place where they usually were. This is a one-minute clip, and then we'll be done. Listen carefully to what Barry Cooper says. The way to know joy in every circumstance is to know that Jesus is in every circumstance. Paul saw the fingerprints of God everywhere, even on his chains. What Paul couldn't have foreseen is this. At the start of the fourth century, the Roman Empire launched a sustained effort to crush Christianity completely. And by the end of the century, even the emperors themselves were followers of Christ. circumstances to know that Jesus is in every circumstance. That's my prayer for you as a church. That's my ambition for us in the coming years that no matter what goes on we will know that Jesus is with us. I'm going to take a moment to pray just now with no offering um, to be collected this morning. The plates are at the door if you want to um, place your uh, offering in there on the way out that's fine. I'm going to pray and then James is going to lead us in song as we can uh, conclude our worship this morning. Let's take a moment to pray. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that Jesus is on the throne. We thank you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble, that you are our refuge and our strength. We look to you in these days. We believe that you are the name above all names and the king of all kings. And we pray, Lord God, that we would represent you well as the people of God in this world, that you would be our vision whatever befall. We pray, Lord, that by your Spirit you would fill us with confidence in who you are and what you are able to do. And we pray, Lord God, that your character would be evident in us, your church, in the coming days. Help us to play our part. Help us to be able to say that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Come and be among us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.